Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Nathan Bartleball. Nathan, what's up, man? Hey, Nathan. How's it going on a rainy Friday afternoon? I know, right? It's uh, It's been doing this a lot lately. I don't know if it's doing it more than normal or if I'm noticing it more because I'm sitting at home and I'm not at school behind my desk and concerned with teaching and other matters, but uh, I feel like it's it's a lot rainier than it normally is. Yeah, when I come out of the basement once in a while, I see, I see there's weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we also have joining us today, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? What's up, players? Um, I would confirm it's the rainiest, it's the rainiest two-month-long quarantine I ever remember in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I I, I, I don't know if I can find a two-month quarantine and a rainy season that ever match, but this has definitely been the one. No, it's been, uh, man, it's, you know, hey, nothing lifts your spirits when you're starting to go uh, stir-crazy living the quarantine life than uh, three days of uh, torrential rain. Um, <laughs> well, I think it, it, it does, uh, it kind of mutes it a little bit because you kind of feel like, oh, this is this is normally, you know, I can be inside. It, you don't feel like yeah. you should be doing something else. It's at least... That's uh, a good point, actually. Yeah, today that's Today felt kind of like a normal bummy rainy day as opposed to the bummy sunny days we've been having lately. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I announced, at least the kids say, guys, I think uh, it's raining, so our plan t- uh, today should be lay around, eat, uh, watch things on TV and not leave the house. Um, so that was our, you know, very different than what we've been doing. Um, I was going to say, to which Lisa promptly replied, so normal day for you, right? <laughs> exactly right. I was going to say, this is, this is just thing. kind of, now the rest of the world knows how it is. But, um, yeah, something about the, the inability to go outside. Uh, not that I would if I could, but knowing that you can't, yeah, that, that stinks. Yeah. Um, so anyway. It's kind of like the sign that says keep out. It's not like you were intending to go in anyway, but just the fact that it says keep out means you want to go I mean, in, right? Makes me yes. want to go protest somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up a big sign that says the coronavirus is a fraud while wearing my mask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right. Keeping six feet from the other protesters. So. Yes, yes, mm. yes. Well, we do have our AMA Ask Me Anything episode. We do have some questions here. Uh, we've got some fun questions, but we've also got some serious questions. And so we want to go ahead. We're going to start us off on a lighter note, um, and we're going to talk about movies. So favorite movie of all time and why? Favorite movie of all time and why? Dutcher, I'm going to start with you because I hear you mention this all the time, so... I'm going to let you start start us off. Dude, I think couldn't we all agree um, Cannonball Run 2, I think, is um, – <laughs> It's exceptional. I thought you were going to say Porky's. <laughs> well, you have something to have room for a two and a three, right? Smokey and the Bandits right there in the – Yeah, anything Burt Reynolds, yeah, the late, great Burt has got to be mentioned. No, dude, you hear me say it all the time. I'm so unoriginal with this. Um, Bartleball and I were talking just before we went live today, and uh, we uh, were talking about a couple of movies in 07 that were notable. Uh, we might give a nod to those as we talk, but for me, it's uh, 1994 Shawshank Redemption, and um, I just I just love it. I know it's at the top of many movie lists, 
But the thing that intrigues me about that, if, if, if memory serves, did not win a single award because it was up against Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction. I still maintain the best of those three films by far, in my opinion. Oh, I, I definitely think so. I mean, oh, Shawshank. have I mentioned before that I think uh, Forrest Gump's a pile of steaming garbage? <laughs> yeah, dude. You know what? It's weird you say it. I rewatched it recently. Held virtually no interest for me. Um, it's, yeah, it was Hanks, a lot of spiffy special after. effects. It was very much, um, it yeah. was like meme of the movie back before we had memes in a sense. You know, everything was. was very cutesy. And then not that there's not drama there, not that Hanks is not good. But I think the significant thing to remember is that book by Winston Groom was a satire. So yes. it was and it was almost absurdist in a way. And, and the, so to try and make it a sincere, heartfelt story, it kind of I don't know if it works. I mean, it seemed to work yeah. for a lot of people. I think it works in segments. But I like the scene, mostly special effects. You go back in your awe of like him carrying him out of the jungle or the fact that mm -hmm. Lieutenant Dan doesn't have legs or something yep. like that. But I think if you go back and watch that movie – and its message is kind of weird too. You know, it's yeah. kind of its message is a very strange message. I think the thing about the Shawshank Redemption is even though it's based off of old like prison films and things like that, it has a very um, it is an unmistakable heart to it, and it has it something does. to say pretty much regardless of what you think about things. Its overall messages aren't they're not bland. They're very specific. They're very human, mm -hmm. but they're not completely humanist either. You know, there's a lot oh. of um, People have compared King, I think, and his best to uh, Charles Dickens, and I think that holds true in that movie. Yeah. That's probably one of his most Dickensian sort of stories. Ooh, good. Dude, I love the adjectival form of Dickens. That was good, because if, if you don't phrase that right, you could mess that up. But yes, Dickensian. <laughs> I like You've never heard that before. It's, I can't take credit for that. Yeah, I love it. Dickensian. I'm, 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 I probably have, and it just... Usually you hear it in terms of like they're describing his time period. So like Dickensian London or Dickensian England or something like right. that. Right. That's right. You're right. You're right. Just hang around with a lot of book nerds. So. <laughs> yes. And to me, dude, anything that is that sort of transcends the time in which it was made. It's so true. When I rewatched Forrest Gump about well, maybe two or three months ago, and I, I caught when I said rewatch, I probably caught two thirds of, it. you know, I missed the, the first, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. But um, I, I enjoyed it, but it was. It felt a little gimmicky. Um, and at the time, 1994, the special effects were off the charts. The fact that they could kind of superimpose Tom Hanks's face, I think, on whatever dude was meeting Lyndon B. Johnson. And, you know, you, you, you just tied it into some cultural uh, moments, which was uh, really, really good. Um, but uh, now Pulp Fiction to me, great classic Tarantino flick, but still something about Shawshank. Here's how I know when Shawshank Redemption is on, which is it's always on. Uh, and I find myself flipping channels and I come to it. There's very few movies that I watch wherever I land in it and watch to the end. That's a Even good point. Yeah, I'm about the same way. Yeah. It's just something about it draws you. And the acting you. in that, the acting, the directing, everything oh. is just spot on. And it really captures the kind of way that King writes, more so than most of his horror films. You know, if you think, if you, have you seen it, Nathan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
I was say I would literally there would be a copy left on your doorstep in a plastic bag. <laughs> no, 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 I, I not seen it. No, I own it. I own it. So good. Matt Smith walked in here. What's up, Matthew? <laughs> Dude, I'm podcasting with the two Nathans, and Matt's here. He doesn't care because he's getting his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> nice, so, nice. Getting his coffee. So How about you, Nathan. Yeah, you know, it's hard because I don't have a movie that I, I think I could say, um, in one breath, this is my, this is, this is a movie that I would sit down and, you know, just, uh, I, I would pick it up wherever it's at. Um, I think my all time favorite movie just sheerly because it's one of the first, uh, and, and this is going to sound funny, but it's, it's really, it's one of the first like classy classics that I saw. Um, and that's Casablanca. Um, I just, I love, I love everything about that movie. Um, and it's one that I don't, I don't sit down and watch very often. I I've seen it probably, um, I I mean maybe 10 times, you know, so I have certainly seen others way more than that, but I just, um, every time I have gone back and watched it, it's just the level of, uh, what's going on in that movie, you know, the period of, uh, world war two and the invasion of, um, the, the Nazis into Morocco and, and all of it just, it worked for me. And it's one that just sticks in my mind all the time mm-hmm. of, man, this is, this is just such a really great, great movie. Um, yeah. but in terms of, you know, what you're talking about, great, I, I, there isn't really one that I have like that because I've seen other movies that I've watched probably a million and one times, but it's surely because, well, I don't have to think when I'm watching this movie. I can put it in and it's it's in the background running. I enjoy the movie and I, I enjoy that it's going on. And so I think yeah. I have things like that when I think of, you know, my all-time favorite movie. Um, but in terms of, you know, just I, I guess if I had to put number one up there, it would be that one. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice, dude. We've got to hear the film critics pick. I don't, I don't really like movies. I don't know what you well, – and that's the thing, right? Because the film critics got to have the big – you know, the, the lofty choice. It, it's, it changes a lot because I love so many movies. Mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah. there are so many that I can watch like that. For a long time, honestly, it was kind of in between Wizard of Oz and Blade Runner, the original Blade mm-hmm. Runner. Yeah. Those seemed like odd choices. The, the thing about Wizard of Oz is obviously, yes, it's a movie that is aimed at like a young audience, and it's not like I get into it necessarily emotionally, but it's an interesting blend, and I saw it young enough that everything that it does, there's very few movies, but those are just painted backgrounds. It has a weird otherworldly sort of vibe to it. It's mm-hmm. very easy to get into it. It has a sense of fantasy that I don't think some of our modern movies have just because of, of what they were dealing with, what they were playing with. They could only do so many things. So the the illusion there is not perfect. It's kind of Blade Runner has some of the same thing. You're just transported to another world. Yeah. I would say now, though, I would probably say something like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm. Uh, as you probably figured out, I tend to be more uh, into the visual movies. It doesn't necessarily have to say something grand or amazing. I don't sure. necessarily mm-hmm. agree with everything that 2001 A Space Odyssey is saying. Right. But I think as a visual experience, it's pretty um, – it's pretty amazing mm-hmm. and it is interesting to watch and just sort of get into. Have you guys, either one of you seen it? Oh yeah. I have been yeah. One. I haven't seen it probably in 20 years, dude, but yeah. I, I mean, it's an impressive, it's impressive on that level. I think it is impressive 
a movie that probably combines a lot of those things is a movie called uh, The Tree of Life. Have you guys yes. either one of you seen it? Yep. Yeah. Hugh Jackman, uh, right, Rachel yeah, Wise. Right? Yes, yes. Did you, did oh, you guys? No no, no. Uh, no, no. You're thinking of The Fountain, which oh. also is a great movie. Uh, I like I know, that one yeah. a lot, too. Uh, Tree of Life. Have you seen it, Greg? I feel like I have because I know the um, uh, the, the the scene where they almost take it back to um, to uh, Adam and Eve, right? Or uh, not Adam and Eve? Movie. No, I, you're, I think you're on the right track. They don't go back to Adam and Eve, but what they do is that you see the creation. The entire movie is sort of juxtaposed as a kid, as a as a, an adult. Uh, re- hearing that his father's died and remembering back to his childhood in the 50s. But with that, you also have people praying to God. And through that, you see the creation of the universe and you see yeah. the dinosaurs and you see all of that. And so they juxtapose these images over the entire movie of people praying. And in, 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 in a way that's actually, I would say, legitimate. Like it is not yeah. it's not a Christian film in the sense that it is trying to push a uh, any sort of screed or theology but i think it's a director trying to work out how does he pray and interact with god and it's not in a new agey sort of way i mean it Hmm. would you would you could match up it's interesting if you look at some of the passages in job and you look at some of the things he's showing on screen it's very interesting but uh, they released a director's cut of it that actually goes further and increases all the human stuff so if it's a drama about a kid growing up with a a daddy sees his overbearing in the 1950s, but it's done in a very laconic sort of way. You know, there's a lot of uh, stillness and stuff there, so it's not necessarily fast-paced. But I, if you guys haven't seen it, I would recommend it, particularly because I do think it's one of those movies that has a respect for for God and for prayer and things like that without it without it being a movie that's trying to earnestly, like, shove it down your throat, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. In other words, dude, what you're saying is Kirk Cameron is not in this movie. No, and they probably wouldn't approve of it. They probably – I think the fact that you see sort of what is in – you know, the creation of the earth is done in evolutionary terms, right? And you, so right, you see these things right. in evolutionary terms. And so it, yeah. it, the best way to explain the movie is if a kid, like a 50s kid, fell, fell asleep with one hand on the Bible and one hand on a 50s science textbook, this is the movie that would come out of it. It's a <laughs> very interesting experience. I would recommend it. I, I think it's not like – it's not a movie you're probably going to watch and immediately say, oh, that's my favorite movie. But over time, yeah. it's one I can return to, I think, because it has the emotion, but it has mm-hmm. the visual grandness. Interesting. Like Interesting. Now, I'll write it down, dude. As far as, as far as – I watched you do it. As far as the movie goes uh, that you could watch over and over again, The Burbs. Oh, yes. Oh, right, right. The, yes. <laughs> classic movie. Dude. Art's got a gun. Yeah. What, now, what year was that? I'm usually good 89. I was going to say 90, so yeah, okay, right, yeah. right. Very tail end of the 80s. Yeah, kind of the uh, the Beetlejuice era, right? Uh, we were talking about that earlier. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, yeah, we were. <laughs> right. Ghost with most. <laughs> yeah. Good question, dude. I like that. Perfect question for rainy uh, weather. Nice, nice. Um, well, let's let's transition. Uh, we'll kind of jump back and forth. You know, some some lighter questions, some more serious ones. Um, this one comes and it says, "How should we evangelize to people?" Um, I, I think this is just kind of in a general sense. Like, you know, should we be going out with tracks and handing tracks to people? Should we be 
uh, going out and, you know, standing on the corner with a Bible in our hand? Should we, uh, we can even, you know, kind of nuance it a little bit more in churches, you know, the, the good old altar call. Um, how, how should we be working with people and, and talking about our faith with people? And I think, I, I think I'm going to add to this without being obnoxious and overbearing. Um, I'll kind of put that little caveat in there. Uh, so Greg, we'll start with you as our, uh, as, uh, Mr. Bartles would say, resident man of the cloth. Um, <laughs> That's right. I am wearing some cloth. Here, <laughs> that, that is good. My, Better my, than the my, one my day we were podcasting. Because we can see yeah. you. Yes, it is good. Exactly. And my family members have asked me always to wear much cloth, it takes <laughs> quite a bit of cloth to cover six foot four and, you know, 199 spell ripped uh give or take on uh, anyway um I, I would say uh well obviously i mean i i, I was gonna make the well i'll already make it i think we should do it through physical intimidation um that we <laughs> and fireproof we, the video <laughs> yes exactly we basically we pummel people inches away from needing to call 911 it's got to be the vhs so you can hit them with it if they don't want it <laughs> exactly <laughs> And say, watch this movie. Actually, just fast forward to the two clear gospel presentations in the movie for which the entire plot was framed. And watch this. And, and buy um, the adjoining book. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Gets and it. maybe the Bible so if you have the, a few bucks left. <laughs> yes, there is the, uh, the, the not uh, to, to do it. But honestly, dude, the older I get, the um, – I mean I love – I think it was Francis Schaeffer's quote that love is the final apologetic um, – you know, so if we think of persuasive arguments and, um, you know, uh, ways to, to lead somebody down the path to consider the Christian faith, etc., love as sort of that, it's the ultimate, maybe is a better word than even final apologetic. Um, you know, and I, I sometimes that's been called lifestyle evangelism. What I don't like about that is your life then becomes little more than an apparatus uh, in service of a project, mm. right? The, the project is get these pagans saved. My yeah. life now is the apparatus to do that. And it's strange. And I think people can detect it um, where I like the idea of loving people um, the way Jesus loved them, because to me, that love is there regardless of an outcome, mm. um, right? If, if that person uh, just clings to their whatever atheism you might say secularism just their their reticence to embrace uh christ um they're to be loved because god loves them jesus loved them gave himself for them so i honestly think just being in other people's lives with a desire to uh share the love of god with them is uh is key obviously we're hoping and praying that as many people as possible would would find christ um, but I'm very dangerously close to preaching. I should stop. <laughs> Let you guys weigh that. Well, whoa, whoa, though, because it sounded like what I heard <laughs> was almost like don't do anything except, you know, seek to serve and love God <laughs> and then open your life up to people. That's like only two things. <laughs> what is this? This is, this is slackerism. <laughs> Slackerism, you know, dude, how 
every, you know, it's all, I mean, what it must have been like for Luther. I mean, did he find out later there was something named after him, a brand of, of faith, Lutheranism, Calvinism? I would be honored, dude, if my brand was slapperism. Um, <laughs> oh, no, but it would be, it would be specifically, you know, just like you've got, um, you know, it would be Dutch slackerism. I, I, exactly. Like, like Dutch, Dutch painting. I think, and, yeah. I think we should call it doucherism. Doucherism? <laughs> <laughs> like doucherism. Like You've been accused. Yeah. You have been found <laughs> guilty of douchery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel like I've been found guilty of that for many people already. Well, but... Yeah. Similar etymology. <laughs> on, on a serious note, though, I mean, I, I, I make that kind of... Uh, Flippantly, but don't you do you think that this is one of those areas? And you made a good point, Greg, when you said, you know, it feels strange to make your life the apparatus because, and essentially, what you're 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 doing, it says like, you know, okay, I'm showing my life as sort of this uh, picture of the gospel. But a lot of times, the only way my life is a picture of a, of the gospel is the fact that it isn't all that great in and of itself, yes. you know. Yeah. And so this idea of making it this apparatus, like. You see how we live and how Christians live as if if as if the other people are Morlocks, you know, and we're we're inviting right. them up to the surface. Yeah. And so I but I think, you know, maybe the nuances of what what Jared's asking there is like, do you I do think that there is a kind of emphasis that's put on it, even coming up through college and through crusades and things like that. You know, there was this feeling of that evangelism is this very specific thing we have to work really hard to do. Uh, and it is a very specific, precise calling. I'm not really disputing any of that, but it became this thing that you could work and be an expert at. You know, mm-hmm. it's this thing you've got to develop. It's these things you've got to practice. And it really, it just becomes like you're a salesman in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, you're practicing in the way. Um, years ago, there was a movie called The Big Kahuna. I say I've gone back to movies. Did you ever oh, see yeah. it, Greg? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Danny DeVito, Kevin Spacey, who's really right. gone off the rails since then. But the point of that movie was interesting because there was a Christian character in that movie, and he's confronted him on point to ask, what's the difference between selling lubricant and selling Jesus Christ based on the way you're right. going about it? Right. And I guess kind of thing I would say, Jared, is part of, I think, understanding that God gives us the grace and he can give us the, the, where the boldness comes in. I don't think is sitting someone down and trying to lay out spiritual laws or to inform them of their spiritual position, but it's the boldness to be able to share who we are kind of like organically, you know, to say, Hey, I do love Christ. This is why it's hard to explain logically and philosophically when I'm talking to other people who are from a scholarly bent, they may not completely understand it, but that's not really, that's part of the whole mystery of it. Right. Yeah. And so the showing an outpouring of love is not because I want you to see my love and think of Christ, but to realize that love is vital and love is powerful and it comes from a, a very specific source that has nothing really to do with me. And yeah. I think we get so caught up in trying to figure these things out that I think it's really about we build our relationship with the Lord and then we have the, the we feel freed up to just be able to let people see that. Sometimes we get scared yes. to let people see that. I think people have sure. such a poor opinion of Christianity a lot of times. And sometimes mm-hmm. not that it's justified to have that opinion, but the things they viewed they're justified in, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's very like, it's, it's actually probably pretty profound to just to be able to say the things you said, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, yeah, I was I was just going to say, you know, I I 
I, we, we've had many conversations, um, you know, off air about these things. And I think, uh, you know, I'm going to say this like an, I'm an old, I'm an old man, but the older I get, the more get I, off my lawn. that's right. <laughs> Believe in Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, but I, you know, the, the, the older I get, the more mature I get. I, and, and don't get me wrong because I spent probably, you know, the first, 25 years of my life doing kind of street evangelism for spiritual law track witnessing. And I, I, I saw God work with that. And I say, I say that very intentionally. I saw God work with that because (laughs) I mean, I think about how I was when I was doing it and um, you know, it's kind of frightening. And so I think one of the important things, you know, to remember is that I I think there are times and seasons and I think there is an appropriateness to, to all kinds of ways in which we present and preach the gospel. I mean, I think about Ravi Zacharias who deals strictly with, you know, apologetics. He would 100% never deny or dismiss the Holy Spirit's work involved in saving someone. But yet he's developed a whole ministry to to reach out to the intellect, to reach out to the one who that is a stumbling block for them. And, and, you know, Paul talks about, you know, becoming all things to all people so that the gospel can be preached. And so, you know, I think it is important to, you know, uh, live our lives biblically according to what Christ has told us uh, to do that, you know, we are. Uh, we are uh, family member, you know, if we have families that we, you know, honor them as Christ honored the church and loved the church. And, you know, we do all those things and, and going that one step further when we do uh, sin and we do cause offense that we apologize to me. That's one of the things that I've been noticing more and more that has been such a such a showstopper for people a lot of times where, you know, they're just ready to tear into my faith because I've, I've sinned, I've messed up and, and I just go to them and I apologize for my actions and attitudes. And it's just, it stops them cold because there is no, I don't make a pretense that I'm perfect, but hopefully when I sin, I will do what God has commanded me to do and repent of that. Um, and so I don't necessarily think that there is one way to go about doing it, but there are different means and mediums. I I have an uncle who is, uh, in his seventies and is still out there with tracks and he is the most kind and generous man in the world. And he will be on the street corner, uh, walking down, giving tracks to people. And, um, you know, that is just, I totally admire him for doing that and I would never do it myself. (laughs) Um, You know, so that's well. And let's be honest, dude. If if you try to do it yourself, if I try to do it, uh, other Nathan, you you might feel the same way. It would be, it would be so out of character. Mm-hmm. Do, you, uh, do you remember um, uh, Nathan? I, a former staff member at our church mm-hmm. uh, who worked with the youth. I, it, it's no scandal here. I just don't have his permission to say it, so I'll, I'll right. keep it in uh, a little more cloak. Um, years ago we were talking about a sermon we heard from, from uh, a guy who said um, his kind of characteristic response day-to-day life when somebody said, Hey, how's it going? Was better than I deserve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was at the same conference or heard the same sermon. 
wow, what a what a great response because it normally opens up the um, the opportunity to, you know for a person. Sure. Uh, why would you say that? You're a great guy. Well, actually, you know. So the guy who said this, there's no doubt it fits his personality. Extremely extroverted. He's kind of a uh, the type of guy, the life of the party guy, right? Mm-hmm. He walks into a room. He's always got a witty comment, witty joke. Really fit his personality. The associate I'm talking about, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not picking on him because I, I've done the same thing, but we were in, at the time, a rented space where our church offices were. The guy who worked upstairs, who owned the building, would come down sometimes. I don't think he was a believer, but he got a kick out of two pastors working kind of on his basement level <laughs> business office. And he came down and said to the my associate who was in the office behind me, he just, I'll call him uh, you know, Bob or whatever. He's like, um, hey, how's it going today, Bob? And uh, you know, the, the, the guy, Bob, said, oh, uh, better than I deserve. And I'm hearing this whole conversation. Lou, the guy that owned the building, just said, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, lights in, he, goes, he goes, what are you saying something stupid like that for? I mean, he goes, I was a Baltimore City cop for like 30 years. I saw some of the worst of the worst. Why would you say something dumb like that? And I, I heard the guy try to scramble, you know, and he was like saying, oh, well, I'm just saying that because I'm blah, blah, blah. And the guy just pounced on him. And I'm in my office feeling bad for him because I know he just hoped it would set up this opportunity. Right. But it's probably not how he would, in his own personality, share. Right. So that was always my problem, dude. Going way, way back, I trained under uh, D. James Kennedy's evangelism explosion, right? That was a popular thing in the 70s, 80s, early into the 90s. I don't even know if it's practice by anybody anymore they probably changed but, the name at least from explosion explosion <laughs> yeah it's kind of like it's kind of how campus crusade I just had an evangelism explosion excuse me guys right. i'll be right back <laughs> got some pep there to take care of that mm, yeah. but um i had a professor at seminary i asked his opinion on that one time because it just seemed like even back then this was early 90s an antiquated way um for everybody to learn how to do evangelism and i said what do you think of this doctor and he just said yeah i mean they might as well just call it how to witness like D James Kennedy would witness. Um, Cause that's what it was. Yeah. And probably for him, the way he interacted, the way he thought, the way he communicated um, it worked. But I'm, I'm concerned to that because I think people can detect the canned formula. Mm-hmm. Now, Nathan, in respect to your uncle, and I mean, this, this is where I'm walking a delicate line. Here's why I would argue. And it's weird because your uncle is doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love DL Moody's story. You know, that a woman came up to him and said, I hate the way you do evangelism to which he said, well, uh, how do you do it? And she said, I don't. And he said, well, I like my way of doing evangelism better than your way of not doing it. Right. Um, yeah. So all my caveats out there, but when missionaries go into other cultures, right? So if, if you're going to be a missionary in Turkey, if you're yeah. going to be a missionary in Lebanon, you're going to be a missionary in Brazil. What do most people do? Those missionaries spend a lot of time studying the culture. Yep. And they want to assimilate to that world, which is why Hudson Taylor was so radical when he went to China, because he dressed in Chinese garb, mm-hmm. right? He didn't go with a Western look. You, you so want to communicate that I live in the same world that you live in. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So if we think of that same mindset in our culture, the, the majority of people, what do they hate? They hate cold call sales. Right. Mm -hmm. So you see people on their front doors, no solicitor. Right. People, the, the caller IDs change everything. Uh, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to put you on the do not call list. Don't call here again. So um, that that would be my thinking on it. But I'm, I'm very careful. Well, and. And you and I, Greg, I would say are probably on the same page and I freely admit that. I would never do it and I would come up with a million and one reasons of why I would never do it. And also in the same breath, I would say, yes, I still do evangelize that, 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 but not in that way. His mindset yeah. is if I can even reach one person with this. Sure. And so that's why I can appreciate and respect it because it's also his personality. And, and like you said, you know, this is – this is who he is. This is a part of who he is. And so trying to force him into another way of doing things is going to be disingenuous for him. Um, yeah. yeah. Although, and I'll, I'll throw it out there. I'll be the, the wild card. I would, I would also say though, that it not necessarily that we need to approach people who are doing it and, you know, find success at it. But I feel like I do know people who are doing it basically in the same mode of whenever they became a Christian. You know, that when they uh -huh. came mm -hmm. to – that thing you're talking about, Greg, I remember specifically like that better than I deserve. And I kind of love that story you told because there's a part of me that's always wanted to see that response. You know, because I feel like <laughs> yeah. mostly yeah. the response is one of graciousness on the person who hears it to be like yeah. – I, I think most people honestly when they hear that are thinking the same thing that that guy spoke out loud. Although yeah. not maybe in such a John McClane esque way, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm having a real bad day. You know? <laughs> Two days from retirement, and I hear yeah. this. But uh, but they what they end up doing is practicing whatever they sort of you know we surround ourselves, and it's kind of what you said. We're assimilating to the culture, or that's that would be the 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 gist of a of a missionary but here it's like we want to show us how we're different right the better than yeah. i deserve line is so you ask me what special thing i have when in reality you're just saying a line and you probably don't necessarily believe it because do we walk around our everyday life truly i mean if we're being honest with ourselves do we walk around thinking better than i deserve you know mm -hmm. like or are, are our minds really focused on considering our spiritual relationship to God and That's what that looks point. like, or are we throwing a line out? Like if I'm sitting there thinking about whether is it, do I really have life better than I deserve? If I'm spending my time thinking about that internally, I suspect that my, I don't need to be saying it out loud or reminding yeah. myself to say it as a tagline in reality. And so I feel that some people, not that they're trapped per se, but they're doing what they've always done, what they feel works. And in some cases, I'll be honest, probably feeling what the world their world that they belong to would recognize as evangelism, you yeah. know, to mm -hmm. do some of yeah. the things we're talking about, that world would say, why aren't you all, for, you know, yeah, you can, you say you're doing this and you're reaching out to these people and you're doing it over time and getting to know them, but why aren't you out here with me on the street corner handing out flyers or tracks? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I have found that I do sometimes feel that if you do it in a loving way, there can be a way to just encourage people that, you know, maybe you don't need all of this you know mm -hmm. wow. the energy that you're building here doesn't have to go away the passion right. uh -huh. you have doesn't have to go away and I, I i that's something i've grown into because i do feel not that it's harmful or hurtful but it just you sort of somebody took me aside at some point and pointed some of this stuff out and it was helpful to me yeah um yeah what i think i would say to to jared though is i think we get particularly uh when we when we're trying and we haven't done this and it isn't part of our regular life 
you feel like you've got a job, right? Like, okay, there's this person who I haven't seen in a while, particularly now, you know, we're in quarantine. It's like, oh, well, the very first time I see him next or when I get him on a Zoom meeting, I got to make sure that I share with this guy because who knows, or, or gal, who knows what might happen to them before I finish speaking to them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like maybe yeah. they'll come down with the virus. And so you have this right. list of things in your head that you want, points that you want to hit and make sure you get to. I mean, I'm sure you've, you know, when you deliver a sermon, when you do a podcast, you've got these things in your head. I want to hit these things. Mm-hmm. Is it going to come out organic when you're talking to a human being who is a yeah. friend and you're trying to convey love to them? And you know that in 30, 40, 50 minutes at the coffee house, I got to get to the spiritual laws or I have to get to the altar call. Yeah. And I would say free yourself up from that, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, the Lord knows your heart. He is also not, uh, you know, he's not going to be thwarted and continue reaching out and showing. And, 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 and again, when I say show the love, I'm not just talking about an excuse not to share the truth mm-hmm. of what you believe with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like, oh, I'll just watch, you know, I'll get together and watch five horror movies and watch seven beers and drink seven beers. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm sharing my life. Right. And not yeah. that there's anything wrong with doing any of those things. But what I mean is, you know, some people that are like, yeah, I'm, 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 in, I'm in their proximity. So, of course. Of course, they're getting the God vibes. Right. But yeah. what I guess I'm now, saying Now, bro, is, I have to say, be, because I'm a, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, I would watch <laughs> That sounded like somebody movies. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would watch just, seven just horror throw it out movies there. and drink only five beers. That's the way it could bring you Well, yeah, you have to. Yeah, it can't be seven horror movies and seven right. beers. <laughs> no, 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 no. No more than five beers um. and maybe two more horror movies. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's right right it's, it's a it's a it's a equation right uh-huh. yes honestly dude the, what you said when you said when you're in that coffee house or whatever and you're hanging with a friend and you feel like man i really got to get to the presentation for it to be authentic i i tend to think you know what if if i walk away from that encounter whatever we talk about even if we never get beyond what some would consider the most surfacy of topics right movies you know Mm -hmm. we're just talking about movies we're talking about family vacations whatever if that person is somebody i'm going to maintain a connection with and i think the context obviously will determine that you know if it's a one-off conversation guy in an airport i might never see again i could see that being a very different encounter hey i might never see again so could i share something with you that really um impacted me and put it in story form whatever but if it's somebody you're going to be in relationship with for the long haul I, I find it more valuable if that dude walks away from that coffee, uh, that beer, whatever we're sharing together and says, man, you know, that that Nathan dude, like, I, I like him. Like, he, 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 like, lives in the same world I do, you know, however he would express If they that. walk away thinking that they have a friend, right? And that's exactly. not, not thinking like it's not, not legitimate or it's illusory. Right. That's what you're building. I mean, that's the way we handle every other aspect of our life. So – it exactly. strikes me as strange to handle this other way in a way. And when you look at scripture, that's not really what's happening. Even when they're going and sharing the gospel, it's still happening in a relatively organic way. And it is a different setting, yeah. you know. But sure. Oh, sure. I, I would argue that it's still um, – there, there's there's just a production I don't need, think there needs to be there. I think everyone has to find the way. I think my thing would be the same as yours, Greg, which is – Build someone into your life and let them build into yours like you mm-hmm. would do with anything else. Mm-hmm. And just be honest and authentic about who you are uh, without the need to inform them or put it right up front the very first time you meet them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. and trust that the Lord will do work through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well said. Yep.
Yeah. I mean, I still, we've talked about this before, you know, my, um, I, I worked, you know, several years at the liquor store. It was three years before I even mentioned anything about the gospel, had an opportunity. People knew I was a believer. I never shied away from it. But one day my boss came to me and was like, Hey, tell me about this thing. And had an opportunity to talk to him about the gospel in the context of what we were going through at the time, uh, was, you know, the state working through passing, um, you know, legalizing homosexual marriage in Maryland. And, um, you know, I never, I never said one bad word for or against, uh, what was going on in, in, you know, making all those laws and things like that. Um, you know, people would ask me what I believe. They would ask me, you know, what I did on Sunday and well, I'm, you know, I go to church and, um, and then he came to me, he's like, well, talk to me about this, you know, wouldn't it be better, you know, and, and started running me through these scenarios. And I had a chance to say, well, you know, yeah, better, better is good, but what's, what's the ultimate, what's the ideal. And so talking about, you know, the context of, you know, family and, and what, what is a family and the designation of, you know, marriage by God and, and all of that stuff. And, and so I was able to, to kind of talk about the gospel in that context, but it was after I was broached with the question, I didn't have to force it. And yet yeah, it, it took three years before that came up and I was able to sure. do that. But because of that, there at that point, there was no excuse for anything that I said because because he's the one that showed the interest. I didn't have to oh, worry yeah. about, you know, well, he's paying me and, and you know, I want to be sensitive about, you know, not, not preaching the gospel on company time because I'm being paid to do a job and I'm being paid to do this job. He came to me and asked me about my faith and about what I believe. Um, and so I think to me, that's, that's always, you know, one of the most important keys is, yeah, don't be shy about who you are. You know, when people ask about, you know, what you do, I mean, I spent those three years, you know, spending many times, you know, telling people, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go to the strip club. I'm not going to do this. You know, Hey, we can go across the street and hang out in the bar and we'll get some drinks. I'm, I'm fine with that, but I'm not crossing this line. And it's not because I'm holier than you. It's because I, this is, this is what I believe I'm married and I want, you know, myself and my eyes to be only for my wife. And, um, you know, and so being able to have conversations like that in organic ways that would lead to, uh, having conversations about the gospel to me was, was one of the greatest experiences that I've had in evangelism because I'm getting to know the person. I'm getting to know how I can speak to them. I'm getting to interject my sarcasm and humor, which, uh, you know, let's face it, the, the way we approach and speak to people in, in seriousness and sarcasm and humor, all of those things play into how people relate to you and, and how you build those relationships. And so being able to do that, was, uh, was an awesome experience that, you know, I, I think it's great when someone can go out and, you know, Hey, you know, let's, let, let's look at what, you know, Christ has to say about this. And, you know, you're, you're leading someone through, you know, a sinner's prayer, you know, within the first two hours of meeting them. It's like, that's great. I, like you said, Greg, it's unnatural for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, I think I, for most people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's rare. It's rare. I mean, I mean, with any topic, I, I, 
I saw recently, I mean, and again, I'm walking the line here. I, I admire the guy's boldness. He's on Twitter or, or Instagram. Um, somebody posted young guy looked like he was in his mid to late twenties, uh, obviously before the pandemic hit. And he's on, uh, I assume the New York city subway or maybe, the, you know, L train in Chicago. And he's just boldly preaching the gospel, right? I mean, it was solid. It was truth. Um, and you could tell from the few people they showed in the background, people kind of nervously looking at their shoes, um, you know, because they're on their ride home from, you know, or to work, from work, you know, wherever. Um, and I thought about that. I, I don't want to be the wet blanket because so many Christians, man, this is awesome. This is incredible. This is the boldness. Number one, I don't want somebody thinking uh, this is what I have to do to authentically influence people with my faith. I, I think that's one of many things. But but two, I, I was wondering how people on that subway were feeling. Like, uh, we're quick to say, well, they're just, you know, offended by the gospel. They, they, they're, they're sinners, so they naturally hate God. I don't necessarily think that's the reason. No, I think you know? that that is one of the lamest excuses oh. uh, because it has the idea that our behavior doesn't affect anything. But we don't treat yeah. anybody else in our lives that way. And we don't yes. expect to be treated that way. Uh, if we had a person trying to sell us industrial lubricant by screaming <laughs> exactly. at us on the subway, on the subway, even if I needed a drum of industrial lubricant, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be that's in the a, market for it. That's exactly right, dude. That's what I was thinking. I'm thinking. I probably wouldn't even buy soft people. pretzels if they were trying to sell them to me. That's a big thing for <laughs> well, me. Well, I got to draw the line on that one. <laughs> I, might, I might get up and hug and kiss the guy, but. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly right. I'm thinking of a guy, you know, like we're talking about movies. If, if I get on a subway train, I want to tell you all why I think the Shawshank Redemption is the greatest movie that was ever made. <laughs> I mean, people, well, dude, why are you doing this? I don't want to have here anybody. It says here that. in Second Spartacus. The <laughs> <laughs> first Constipation is three. Um, you know, it's, um, yeah. So I think sometimes those cultural cues tell us uh, things and hey, let's let's be mindful to drop the gospel in the you know the times and places that we live. Right, Acts seventeen. Mm -hmm. He's established the times and the places and the culture. I think we're wise to to know the culture. I think we're wise to to know. I tell people all the time. I tell my kids, personal story um, tends to still be welcome. So whenever you get an opportunity to talk personal story and drop some legitimate connections to your faith in it. Yeah, that, that that's kind of a culturally valued, accepted way of communicating today. You know, when I read these uh, stats that say more than half of millennials believe that it's morally wrong to proselytize, I mean, that grabs my attention because I, I, I if I attach no value to uh, judgment to it, but I simply take it at face value, this is the landscape that we live in, right? That's like, wow, right or wrong, a majority of millennials think that it's morally wrong to use persuasive religious speech, right? Um, then we can say, well, you know, forget that. God's word is true. God is true. Let every man be a liar. Or is there a way we think, can we creatively adapt and find a way to speak into our culture, um, you know, uh, in, in a way that is more accepted. I don't think we, in other words, I don't think our first line of defense has to be, we've got to take a stand for the gospel. It mm -hmm. may get there, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we may find out that as soon as you get there, there, Hey, 
that's bogus. And, and that time, Lord, I'm going to take my stand here because this is your word and I trust it. Um, but I, I think we can get there too quickly. Mm-hmm. And you're right, uh, uh, Nathan, it can be just kind of a lazy way of, <laughs> well, you know, forget all these social conventions. I'm just going to preach Jesus. And I'm like, well, or we, we might have a more effective way to do that in, in another venue. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I, I also, I don't want to linger too much on this one question, but I also think that there's a potential, not intentionally, to even misrepresent the gospel by presenting it in that sort of lock, stock, this is a transaction, you need to make a decision, this is going to happen way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not to say, because what, who's the emphasis on when you have to make an altar call? Who's, whose choice and decision and power in the situation uh, in that transaction, right? Like if I'm trying to sell you something, you, the buyer, have the power to buy or not buy that thing. And so it's my choice, and it is, yes, it's true, it's our choice, but it, it's, it, it feels to me that there's – you walk away from that situation – the person who accepts has done something in their power. The person who has evangelized has done something in their power. And we get to walk away feeling, in a sense, even if we say something differently, we get to walk away feeling that we achieved something or we, by our power, did something. It just seems like there's power exchanges there that don't have anything really to do, per se, with the Lord and working mm-hmm. in a uh, supernatural way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, dude. I, I do. I think it, to get where the, the whole, the, the truncated kind of, this is what it's all about, this decision that you should make right now, or at least think about very seriously and make maybe tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that's, that's, that's the way to go. Good, good question. Though. Let's, uh, we're uh, running up on uh, 50 minutes here. Let's see if we can get another question in here real quick. Um, how, how should we engage with, uh, we're going to switch gears here. How should we engage with believers during this time, Greg? Um, particularly ones who are calling this. Apart. Yeah. <laughs> with a mask on. Um, yeah. <laughs> particularly uh, ones who are saying this is God's judgment on the world. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, for one, guys, uh, I want to say to the audience, uh, I'm a little confused, everybody. The two Nathans, you know, we're all, you know, we're Zooming and we're miles apart from each other. For some reason, they still ask me to wear a mask. I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not I sure what that's I want to cover his, his top part of his face, <laughs> not the bottom part. <laughs> <laughs> the radiating glory right? on the dome. Uh, Greg's got a natural yeah. reflector. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, dude. You can find me on a sunny day anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, that is uh, – yeah, that question does keep popping up. It's funny. I felt like I saw it in mid-March when this thing first really hit, and then I felt like it went away. This is my experience, at least, this idea of could this be God's judgment thing. Uh, and then I've seen it popping up. It's weird you ask that uh, or, or a, a, a listener asked that. Um, I mean, what I would say to it is – Ultimately, right? Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Yeah. I'm doing a little series of uh, devotions this week with that in the background, kind of as the banner. Secret things belong to the Lord our God, and then there's things that is revealed that belong to us. And I, I've maintained that the older I get, there's a lot more under those secret uh, things or in that secret things category than, than I would have used to believe. I think that the Bible says far less 
that often Christians act like. But I think what he does say is far more important uh, than I probably ever thought it was. And I think there's a lot of things we leave to. I, I don't know. Um, and I don't think he's told us or if he's told us, he's told us a little bit about it. Um, so my thought is uh, this COVID-19, uh, while a serious uh, pandemic at the time of our recording, what I think it's over 60,000 I saw this morning uh, deaths. And every one of those people matter to God, matter to those families. So the ripple effect of just hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that are impacted by that number of people that died, it's a serious thing. Um, but unless God speaks to that um, specifically, no. And then I might ask the question, countries that um, are experiencing less of it, like Canada has been far less impacted than we've been. Um, Germany is sort of the odd man out in Europe as far based on everything I've read that they've been minimally impacted, say, compared to Italy or Spain. Mm -hmm. um, do we start drawing judgments? Well, maybe God's really judging Italy, judging the U.S. a bit. Canada must have it going on up there because they're, they're doing OK. So we're Christians, we like to get back to wrath a, a whole lot, right? Like we like <laughs> to, we like to imagine. Not we, I mean, I bet, but yeah. there's a thing of imagining wrath. I, it disturbs me a little. I'm, I'll just blatantly say it disturbs yeah. me to see those sorts of things being said and and finding strange parts of scripture to back it up. Not that parts of scripture yeah. are strange, but using this part of scripture to make your point is it's what's strange. And yeah. yet ignoring all these other areas where it just seems that trials and tribulations are an aspect of life and that if you're sitting there meeting it out and you're determining that it's God's judgment, you're either his right-hand man or one of his angels or you are crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's good. It's good to be blunt on that because I think – yeah, that's the, a nice shutdown. I have was, no uh, – yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a lot of tolerance for it. And, and I, I get it. I think we should encourage fellow Christians that are into it, you know, particularly if, if they're, you know, they're, they're stable people, they're solid people. They've gotten interested because they've heard a teacher or somebody on the Internet say, dude, I mean, here's the thought I have. If the bubonic plague was not this sort of end times judgment, right, which knocked out a third to, to maybe half of Europe, depending on who you read and how much you can uh, put stock in estimates on something that happened, you know, almost a thousand years ago. Um, I, I think um, it's, it's just almost odd to isolate this, this one thing and say, this is it. Uh, but somebody There's texted also me today. a creepy amount of like, uh, like almost like, I don't know if you, but it seems when you hear these things, there's never that tone that you might find in some of the, the the older books in the Old Testament of like where any anyone who's dealing with this fact that there's been judgment that's come upon them, there's a lamentation aspect of it. But is it right. not true that it seems like when we hear it, there's almost a weird wish fulfillment. There's almost yeah, a sensibility yeah. of you're like either I told you so or look what you're getting. Like yeah. it's a little um, it's disturbing. I can't think mm. of a different word for it. That's than, a good way to put it. That. It's 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 almost elitist. It's a, it's a sense of I'm, I'm safe because I'm, I'm on his team. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and dangerous, you, I would argue. Yeah. Yes. But you scoundrels, you know, you, you, you're, you're finally getting it. I mean, I, I love the general idea, right. For all humanity that man, I bet a larger number of people are thinking about their mortality, mm -hmm. um, just life's temporal nature. Um, 
and the opportunity to think about God, faith, uh, the afterlife, these things that let's, we're all by default kind of suppressed, right? Because they're disturbing, they're, um, they're daunting for people when they first consider them. So we, we tend to distract ourselves. I welcome all those things. Uh, and if, if, but that's a very different, yeah, that's a different proposition, I think, than what, oh, we're, sure, what sure. we're hearing from those, those sides of things. Yeah, it, it's, it, I like to think of it as a more positive sort of seize the opportunity idea to, to have folk. I mean, look, we've noticed in our church that there are some people watching online. Uh, and because I've gotten back on Facebook in the last couple of months because of this, because I wanted to stay connected to as many people in our church as I could. Um, you know, I'm having conversations with some folks that have admitted they weren't thinking about these things prior to this happening. So I, I thank God for it. Um, you know, and I, it's but even on that, I say if because, uh, you know, prophets in the Old Testament, their job basically was to assign meaning. Right. I mean, we sometimes, yeah, they spoke about the future, but more often than not, they would assign meaning. So there's events, um, the Exodus event. Right, a judgment on a particular nation, Moab, uh, Edom. Um, you know, there's there's an army that's wiped out. There's a battle that goes south. Um, unless a prophet assigns meaning, mm-hmm. uh, we don't we don't know why that happened. It's just an event, and you could you take any number of guesses. So, to me, in this day and age, uh, you have some people that are self appointed prophets. You know, I saw Kenneth Copeland. Guys, it was a big relief to me. COVID-19! Yes, COVID-19! When, when he slayed COVID-19... And spit on his entire, you know, whoever was in front of him. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, exactly, dude. You know, well, But there was no need to worry at that point. That's right, it had been evaporated. Just pronounced the execution, and granted, since that time, I think 25,000 more people in America have died, but still, um, I'm sure eventually the virus is going to get Copeland's message and realize I have to self-terminate. Uh, but... Um, you know, you, you've got any number of self-appointed prophets that will say it. Mm-hmm. But uh, since I believe that our best guy is scripture. How are you spelling um, prophet? Is that P-R-O-F-I-T? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. Great point, dude. I think we know it's the latter for most of these, these guys. Most of right. Them. Wow. Uh, he just jumped on his plane and announced it dead and moved on. Yes. Yes. Or uh, who's the dude? Uh, I'm blanking. But the, the guy that is, I think, under... Uh, federal uh investigation now that was selling these end time products um like the the silver whatever uh, that's just baker that's jim baker again it's always jim baker it's always (laughs) baker you gotta see some of these videos they have baker's buckets and he even he was selling your uh, a foldable latrine shovel so he goes, yeah. what will you do with the doo-doo in the end time so i mean i think i remember like literal tubs of rice Yes, and beans. Yes. So we could look to those guys to interpret these events for us. I think most of us are probably going to say, "Yeah, I'm not going to look to those guys uh, to assign meaning." Um, yeah, uh, and so I look at it as, man, God's sovereign over all history. Um, there have always been wars, rumors of wars. The Spanish flu uh, killed what? Did I read fifty million people? Uh, so it's something we haven't even approached in terms of the severity and. Uh, um, you know, it's just it's a dangerous game, and I think it's a distraction uh, mm-hmm. for people to play. And I like your point, Nathan, about I don't like what I detect sometimes the almost gleeful. Yeah, got it's now, doesn't he? Nice. Yeah, you know? because 
even even when you read in some of these books and you have uh, prophets and people like Habakkuk and people like, you know, there was never this message of ha ha, got you, you know, even in, in very desperate times of invasion and, uh, you know, famine and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did. Absolutely. Nice. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do one more. We'll end on a little bit of a lighter note. We started with uh, all time uh, favorite movies, uh, all time favorite TV show, all time favorite TV show. Oh man! I'll say it quickly. Breaking Bad, <laughs> hands down for me. Couple quick runner ups. Better Call Saul, believe it or not, is ever increasing for me, getting up there in terms of closeness to the quality of that show ozark season three just finished so wow. good wow amazing was it not nathan um fantastic uh show i'll get in trouble but i don't care about this anymore sopranos amazing uh fantastic so those are a couple of my three that's it nice you guys talk nathan i'll dominate this subject oh man yeah so favorite shows and that's the hard thing and that's one of the things about breaking bad breaking bad ended well so many shows don't though you know they go on for years and they go beyond their their sell-by date and you're sort of disappointed by them and i like some favorite shows are shows that actually i I guess it sounds crazy but like older shows i still really enjoy a lot of the early star trek like star Mm -hmm. trek Mm -hmm. the original series star trek the next generation there's so much great writing and everything in the in that show uh The Twilight Zone, honestly, the old Rod Serling Twilight Zone, it still oh, yeah. to me holds up really well. Now, I will say a show that I really enjoyed and I thought was good from beginning to end and finished strong, and it wasn't on for that many years. And, and actually, I feel it's a show that some people might have actually missed. It was a show called Fringe. Oh yes, did you guys, yeah. ever see it? I did. I, I didn't, but I, I remember. Yeah. I would if you if you had ever enjoyed something like the X Files mm-hmm. or obviously now we have Stranger Things and stuff like this. Fringe was was excellent. It was very good and it had uh, it took actors that you recognized but you probably didn't really expect a lot from. I mean, it mm-hmm. had with Pacey from uh, Dawson's Creek, mm-hmm. uh, John, Joshua Jackson, yep. but he was very good in it. But the standout was the actor named John Noble. I don't know if you guys Denethor from uh, Lord of the Denethor Rings. Denethor from Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. He was uh, the yeah. steward of Gondor. He plays a uh, a kind of mad scientist who is in this uh, mental hospital now because of things that had happened when he and his partner were doing these experiments, and they were doing experiments with children, and they learned about alternate dimensions. And this was a this is about two thousand five, about two thousand eight, mm-hmm. two thousand nine when it comes out. So the whole alternate dimensions, which is pretty well explored now, wasn't as much then. And so you have this team of people. They come back. And they need the help of this guy who's in a mental institution. So they get his son, who's estranged from him, to pull him out, and they partner them with a FBI agent. And they open up this fringe department, which is exploring kind of strange anomalies. But it turns out that these anomalies are related to several multiverses and things like that. Hmm. Leonard Nimoy has a recurring role in it. Uh, this was yeah. before he passed. And I would recommend you check it out because it it's hard to do it justice, but it developed a very compelling storyline. It was the better version of Lost in that it brought all yeah. these kind of character threads together. But uh, – it explored them pretty well. So, I, yeah, I would definitely check that out, particularly if you're any kind of a sci-fi fan. It's one you can watch with the kids, Greg, because it's not yeah. – um, it is not an extreme show. I, it, I wrote It's that probably one available on Amazon. So, Fringe. Yeah. I always have loved Doctor Who. So, Doctor yeah. Who is nice. another one. 
Nice. Yeah. What I've, about you, Brother Bell? Yeah. So uh, I, this one, I, I have one that I could probably classify as an all-time favorite. It's one that um, I can watch all 10 seasons of this, and then I can go back and I can start over, and I can just watch all 10 seasons again, um, and just over and over and over again. I, I know it well enough that I can have it playing in the background, or I can still sit down and just watch the episodes straight through without uh, being bored with them. Uh, Friends. Actually, I can do that with friends. Yeah. Um, absolutely enjoy that one. Uh, so, saw, saw the Dwight face <laughs> when you announced that the shock Dwight face. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> no one's mentioned the Office. <laughs> Sorry about that, dudes. Yeah, oh, the Office. Yeah. So, so that's one that I can just I can just rewatch. There are so many quotable lines in it. So many references that come out of it. Um, so that's probably my go-to. Can I ask, is one of your favorites when Chandler says, um, and it, it, it so dates the show and, but all of us can relate the answering machine world where, um, somebody says, uh, oh, uh, you know, oh, you should just leave the message on her answering machine. He goes, no, 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 I'm not going to be doing that. Last time I did that uh, on a girl's answering (laughs) machine. I found myself using the phrase "yes, indeedio." Um, so I don't know, just so relatable. Yes, it is. It's or, it, or Chandler's line where uh, somebody comes in and he's like, "Hold on, I'm watching Three's Company." There appears to have been some kind of misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, just it, it is. It's just My so great. Devastated when they took Friends off of Netflix, right? Because it was on for a long <laughs> yes. time, and then oh, yes. NBC took it back, and yep. it'll be on HBO Max or something. I don't. Yeah, know. yeah, there. Yeah, it's something weird like that. But um, but yeah. that is definitely one of uh, one of the favorites. Now, another one that I really like, going with um, what you pulled out, Nathan Fringe, Eureka. Um, that's a good show too. Yep. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, a little bit lighter in tone. It is. Fun. Yeah. It's a little bit lighter in tone. And I feel like they did a great job at, at bringing the series full circle. It's one of those, again, what you were saying, it's one of those ones to me, it had a very satisfying ending to it. Um, I wanted the series to go on because I enjoyed it so much, but they brought a very satisfying ending to the series. And so I thought that, um, that that is just uh, one of my favorites, you know, more slapstick humor in that one, uh, but definitely worth checking out. Um, and then another one that I enjoy is, uh, and I, I've mentioned several um, over the years on the podcast, but another one that I enjoy, uh, Burn Notice. Um, that was another yeah, one that yeah, I really that liked. Um, and again, it, it's the same thing, like from, you know, it had a good starting to it and, and just, I felt like there were, there were some parts toward the end where it got a little bit shaky, but they kind of brought it around full circle and the ending of it was a nice closure to the series. So those would be, those would kind of be my, my three that I would say are, are worth checking out if you haven't seen them before. Good choices, dude. So, well, we are running over an hour here, so we'll go ahead. Um, we've got a few more questions we can do, but we can, we'll have you on again later, Greg. We'll pull those up again. And Love it, man. This is fun, it. guys. Glad we were having you on and able yeah, to talk. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, I've, I've said it before. There's a lot of things that are going on right now. Um, you know, uh, a lot of reasons to be sad, but I've, I've been so thankful because I've been able to connect uh, more regularly, Greg, you've been able to be on the podcast more regularly, which has been fun. 
Um, and you know, just, uh, even, even being able to connect via zoom and, and telephone calls has been, has been a huge blessing, uh, for me personally during this time. So, um, I, I will, yeah. And I just want to encourage too, that anyone, uh, listening, take the, take the opportunity to use zoom and things like that to yeah. make connections and, yeah. and to reach out. And if anyone is, you know, struggling in any way, do feel free even to reach out us yeah the podcast and we're happy to talk and discuss and don't don't leave things bottled up particularly in this kind of yes absolutely time where there's a lot of time sometimes to be alone by yourself and again absolutely. you know um reach out and again we're here to, to comfort one another and mm-hmm. to encourage one another and things like that and, and making that the the basis of of our uh, of our interactions yeah. but just want to lay that out there because i'm sure there's a lot of people who are kind of struggling in this time that it's just uh i think i hit a little bit of a wall this week honestly um greg you have with the kids back to school and everything and so on our end it's like everybody's on computers everybody's doing these things and it's suddenly like the reality of it i'm an I, i'm enough of an introvert that i went for a while i'm okay and then mm-hmm. <laughs> then suddenly you're like oh this is uh this is a thing we're going to be doing for a bit I know. so don't uh, don't keep it bottled up yeah, and actually on that note, I'm glad you brought that up, Nathan, because I just want to remind our listeners that hopefully you've been uh, reading The Fellowship of the Ring. Nathan and I next week are going to be talking about it and discussing it, and then the week after we're going to be uh, inviting our listeners into a Zoom session. So uh, when we get closer, I will provide information for the Zoom session, and we're going to be discussing it with you, our listeners. So. Um, please feel free. And, and, uh, this is a little bit of a teaser, Nathan. I got Zach on board to do the, uh, mazes and monsters, uh, live viewing oh, awesome. on, uh, on Amazon <laughs> prime. So yeah, man. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Tell me the date on that guy. So I can, uh, purposely unplug everything. <laughs> wait, can I say that? Is it, are we, we can record we, you separately. You can be in a yeah. different room watching <laughs> at the same time. Like when they, the back of the day used to do the coffee taste testing and they got someone in a separate room. <laughs> Let's see if they recognize it's not Folgers. Bartles is uh, such a good guy. What is it about me? I hear Bartles and I just have this desire to pounce on him. Uh, he's just a good natured guy, so it makes it more fun. Uh, so, yeah, next week. Uh, yeah, that's how you can explain it. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> it's all in good fun. He's such a nice guy that I just feel <laughs> the good humor yes. that I rip this guy. Uh, so, yeah, just quick reminder next week, Nathan and I will be discussing Lord of the Rings, and then the week after, we'll be uh, inviting the listeners in with us to discuss it. So, looking forward to it. Something. Uh, something to hopefully uh, our listeners are looking forward to and getting excited about. Um, great talk, guys. Until next time, we just rock the Casbah. These go to 11.